When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everybody, welcome to the Talking City podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy and joining me today is Mr Joe Bray. Joe, how's it going? Not too bad, thanks. Uh, a little bit rough after watching England, but I'll power through. Yeah, I think we're all in the same boat. It may be a very groggy podcast today, but someone who's not quite in the baddest shape as us, back after a lovely couple of weeks off, is Mr Simon Bukowski. Si, how's it going? Yeah, very well, thank you. Fresh as a daisy. <laughs> mm-hmm. and more than what can be said for me and Joel that is certainly true because ladies and gentlemen yesterday England of course won Manchester City were at the heart of it all but before we get into England and football coming home as of course it is now you say hey we're in the midst of Euro 2020 Joel now it's finally happened we're finally underway there's been some good moments and some very bad moments so far in the few games we've had but how have you found the tournament uh, so far? I love it I love a tournament and I love sort of you know the hype that comes around England being in in these tournaments as well, and uh, there's been some. Uh, maybe the first few games took a while to get going, but I think on Sunday there were some uh, some decent performances, and uh, that Holland Ukraine game, which I'm sure we'll touch on later, was uh, an absolute cracker. So I'm I'm hoping for for more of the same, and I, you can't beat you know three games every day, can you? I know we've had a lot of football in the last twelve months, but. Uh, yeah, when it comes down to a tournament, I, th- I think everyone can get behind that. And uh, I, f- I find myself watching North Macedonia and getting really invested in that game. And I've n- never heard of half the players or or uh, any anything that North Macedonia have done before. But yeah, that's what happens in a tournament. And yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've got North Macedonia in a sweepstake, and so I was supporting them. And Goran Pandev, the legend that he is, did his best, but unfortunately, um, they, they couldn't quite hold on against Austria the other day. Yeah, it's been it's been a weird one so far. So I think as I say some of the games obviously they've reduced the capacity. So some stadium like out in Baku for Wales versus Switzerland, that was kind of a subdued atmosphere. I mean it'd probably be this case, no matter any restrictions on people being able to get out to Azerbaijan. But some games, the um the Denmark game before obviously things went wrong, they had a really good atmosphere and uh, the Italy game was great. And of course England yesterday, so it's been nice to see fans back in stadiums and having that that feel of normality again while watching is a proper international football, which we've not had for, for what since the last World Cup, three years now, longer than we usually have to wait. Yeah, it's a strange one. It, it still feels strange watching football and certainly watching football with fans in like the current situation. And it also feels weird because it's not like everyone's converging on, um, you know, one location or anything like that because there's, like you say, so many multi-sites. So, it, it yeah, it still feels like, I don't know, like, it's just like rare treats, like these games are being played in these sort of idyllic uh, situations where things feel like normal a bit, and then you uh, you go back to to the grim reality. So I, I guess the the Euros are kind of continuing what the Premier League did and sort of being a bit of a an escape for everyone. And uh, yeah, it don't quite feel like um, like the twenty eighteen World Cup yet, but uh, maybe give give England a few more wins and we'll see we'll see what happens 
Yeah, definitely. I said, well, we certainly had a rare treat on Sunday because England won their first ever opening game in a European Championship, which was quite the amazing stat. 1-0 versus Croatia, Joe. Raheem Sterling, he got the winner. He was, I think, most people's least favourite selection choice um, out of many on that England team that Southgate selected. There was very kind of some controversial choices from the Matt Free Lions manager. Trippier at left-back instead of an actual left-back. Phillips and Rice in midfield. Um, quite a defensive midfield. No Grealish. Sancho not even included in the squad. But Tyron Mings playing at centre-back as well. But every single selection paid off and none more so than Sterling, who not only grabbed the winner, but I think more importantly for him and for City going forward, actually looked close back to his best again. Yeah, well, I asked you on, on the last podcast I was on that I would start Sterling for England because I think he's he's a good player to, to really get it get at the defence and, and stretch them and, and continue at them. And then the other sort of players like your Rashford, Grealish, even Sancho, and he wasn't in the squad, but I think they're better at coming off the bench and, and making a difference. So I was, I was quite glad to see that work in, in sort of in real life. And, and Sterling, fair play to him, played really well, justified his selection. Um, I thought it was quite interesting that he was on, on the left and Foden on the right because for City it's you know sometimes the other way around and, and it's that left wing position that Foden's really usurped Sterling in the last few weeks of the season so uh, to see Foden out on the right I was quite interested to see interested to see how he was going to do I thought actually he did very well on the right which I'm, you know you don't often see him influence the game as much as he did from that position and uh, you know both of those two linked up in that that chance in the in the first 10 minutes where Foden hit the post uh, very very good uh, sort of attacking display from from both of them and uh, I thought they both linked up well with Harry Kane which could be a, a sight we may get to see in, in the future who knows for, for City um, it reminded me that those selection calls that, that you mentioned of, of what Pep says and said quite a lot towards the end of the season that if it works you're a genius and if not it's, it's a disaster and I think that was exactly what, what happened to Southgate every single one of those bold calls paid off I'm not sure playing Trippier at left back is going to work for the whole tournament but it, it worked then Again, yeah, like say Tyrone Mings, Calvin Phillips was brilliant. That they were the sort of question marks as that team got released, and all of them, all of them did very well. The team had a really good balance to it, which you don't often say with England. So yeah, positive signs. Again, I'm not sure that that team would be the one that would start a European final if, if England got there. But uh, to do the job and, and to be a, a very good Croatia side, it's it's a good start and some uh, encouraging performances from a City point of view as well. Yeah, definitely. I think, I don't go wrong, I was with everyone else when the team came out. I was a bit perplexed at some of the decisions, especially Trippier left back, even though it's kind of clear Trippier was in there for his kind of set-piece speciality, especially on free kicks. But I, I think people are maybe sometimes forgetting that this is a tournament where every player... He's absolutely ghost. They've been but been run ragged for the last eighteen months after football came back um, and beforehand. There's a bigger squad. There's five subs. I think the the use of a squad is going to be so much more important this time around than it maybe is in other tournaments. Foden started here, but it would not surprise me in the slightest if against Scotland, which are probably going to be teams sit a lot deeper than Croatia. Grealish comes in instead, or if Chilwell or Shaw come in at left back for Trippier this time, I think there's going to be a lot more rotation than we usually see. So I don't think there's much as much kind of need to get in such a Ferrari over kind of team selections. But as we say, si, everything did pay off for City. I'm sorry, for England. And I say the City players, not only just Sterling, but Stones, Walker, I thought both of them played really well, looked really solid. Stones, especially when he's played so well this season against Diaz, who is a much more kind of a leader. 
you know, he, he, Stone, stands, Stone seems to play well when he's against a centre-back who can lead him, guard him through games. And I think that's why a partnership with Maguire would work really well because Maguire's much more of a captain as well. But in this scenario, he'd never played with Mings before, but he kind of, I thought he really took up, up the mantle of leading Mings through the game, which I think was really encouraging sight to see from Stones. Shows his development. Yeah, um, I think he's spoken in the lead up to the tournament about being a, a senior player in the in the squad, and and that's what it looked like, which is which is great to see. I didn't think Walker played that well. I I, I agree completely with Joe. I didn't think it was a a barnstorm in England performance, to be honest. I, I, it was one of those where it's great because they won, whereas uh, you know everyone says Sterling plays played well because he scored. I'm not sure they would have said so if if he hadn't scored. Uh, but how much of, yeah, Croatia weren't brilliant, but how much of Croatia not being brilliant was down to how well England pressed them and neutralised them. So, I yeah, I, I was impressed more than anything by, by Gareth Southgate. I think he's sort of, he's won a lot of plaudits for his man management and being this kind of like modern manager as against your sort of um, Jose Mourinho that comes out and kills his players in press conferences and whatever. Southgate very much the arm around the shoulder guy he made a lot of big decisions not very popular decisions but no one knows how this tournament is going to play out because it's in a pandemic and after a pandemic season um you know city were certainly the beneficiaries in the premier league of working out the the demands quicker than anyone else and better than anyone else and gareth southgate has played a lot of tournaments as a player and coach with the 21s and then england um so you know, when he was talking after the game about bringing uh, other players into the team and, you know, using substitutes, um, it, it sounds like England have got a a very sort of firm and meticulous plan, which you can see down to them throwing, Trippier's throw-ins, which sort of really worked against Croatia. So um, it, Southgate, for me, was the kind of most encouraging thing about um about Sunday's, Sunday's game. See, I agree that it certainly wasn't impressive on like the attacking front. I actually thought the worst player for England um, was Kane. I just think he consistently dropped too deep, was really congested in that area where Foden and then Mount were trying to operate. And kind of after the first 20 minutes or so, I think you can know, even though Foden played a really crucial role in the goal by creating the space of Phillips and moving out wide, I think you could really tell after the first 10, 20 minutes that Foden and Mount kind of their influence waned on the game because Kane was consistently coming deep and not getting, you know, crowding out that attacking area. And I felt hopefully that's something that kind of either it's a tactic that gets told not to be doing anymore or Kane is told to just stay in the area because he's a lethal finisher. Sterling's goal, while really well worked, he did hit it straight at the keeper and um, it was perhaps a bit fortunate it went in. You can imagine if Kane was in a similar position, it would have been straight into the top corner. But yeah, it wasn't the best performance. Kane was in a better position and absolutely skied it from a yard. <laughs> well, there you go. Even worse than I was like, thinking. A lot of alcohol has been consumed since that game. Please <laughs> forgive me if some details are a bit lost. But um, what... What kind of impressed me from the performance, like I say, it wasn't the best maybe attacking, but attacking football doesn't win international tournaments rarely anymore. I think Spain maybe was the last team who really had an attacking impetus and went and won a tournament. You know, if you look at the last two Euros and the World Cup, France France, were not, France may have had this wealth of attacking players, but they still had Giroud up front. They were still had a midfield of Matuidi and Kante. They were really solid. You know, they had 
um, Pavard at right back, who was a centre back. They were really solid, and that's how they won. Portugal, when they won the Euros, they weren't as really didn't have the attacking talent they have now. They, of course, they had Ronaldo, but you know the guy that won, won the tournament was Ida from a distance. They didn't. I think they finished third in their group when they went on to win. So. It's not a type of football that wins it. It's being solid, getting these wins, especially now even more so when everyone's tired. So I think I was more impressed with just how controlled that performance was. I was really expecting England to kind of sit deep, allow Croatia to have the ball with all the kind of intricate midfielders. They've got, you know, Modric and Kovacic, both Champions League winning, multiple time Champions League winning midfielders who are renowned for being so good on the ball. But we didn't let them have the ball. I think the way Mount and Phillips pressed them, harried them, and I think, you know, people are saying Croatia didn't play well. I think, I really do think England made them not play well because I do not think they were expecting England to get on them so much and press them so much and really threw them off the game. Modric, I've rarely seen Modric look so flustered. So might not have been the most barnstorming, impressive game on the attacking front. But I think at least the way they composed the game, I don't remember Croatia having a proper chance, Joe. So, you know, Croatia are the best team in the group. And I think if we'd have lost that, people would be saying, oh, look at that, England can't beat any good teams again just like it was after the last World Cup but now that we've won comfortably I say I don't remember Pickford having to make any worthwhile saves or anything like that it's now saying that Croatia weren't that good I think I think it's, this performance really does bode well for the tournament I was really impressed with how it might have been a boring game and it certainly was at stages and the goal but you know we stayed solid we created more chances we got the best one and took it and I was I say I, I was really really impressed with it yeah I think control is is what what you said there, and that that's what, what England had. And there wasn't many points in the game where you were worried about England being in control. And as soon as they got the goal, then there was really only going to be one winner. So that, that's encouraging. And what, what I was worried about before the tournament was was the defence and clearly Southgate is as well, because he's he's still not found his, his perfect balance of that defence. But uh, yeah, I thought John Stones and, and Mings did very, very well. And uh, a lot of that was down to the protection that Rice and, and Phillips gave as well, um, which... Again, people aren't might not be dead happy about seeing two defensive midfielders, but I, th- I think that defence needs a bit of protection, especially if Maguire isn't there. Um, and that's, yeah, fair play to, to England and Southgate because, uh, of course, the last major tournament game that England played that wasn't a boring third-place playoff was the Croatia game. And in the three years since, England have come on a long way. And yes, Croatia are getting older, but uh, it's still a world-class team. So... Uh, good good signs going forward and uh, it'll be interesting to see in the next two games how they approach those two fixtures being sort of more favourites and and especially with the, the pressure that will come with the Scotland game. It's going to be uh, quite interesting to see how they approach that and surely they're not going to go as defensive that time but also they will be wary that they do have to protect the defence still because anything can happen in these games and Scotland are going to be like fighting for their lives aren't they and they've waited so long to get to a tournament, they're not going to waste it, especially when they're playing England at Wembley. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest surprising performance from the game, side was um, Calvin Phillips. Um, I've, I personally have rated Phillips. I think he's a very good um, defensive midfielder. If you look at Leeds' record this past season, with and without him, I think the win percentage with Phillips in the team is 55.2%. Without him, it's down to 22.2%. So it's clear how important he is to that side and how good he is. But I don't think anyone saw the the performance coming from him that we got playing so high up the pitch, getting the assist, getting. I think I've only shot on target before the goal. He was he was excellent. He was running the ball high up the pitch. He was passing. He was it was a really complete kind of box to box midfield performance that I think was made even better by how people just didn't see it coming. And obviously, as is the way with England games and major tournaments, a player's played really well out of nowhere and he's now being linked 
with every team under the sun. But, you know, City are in the position where if not this summer, then maybe next, they'll be looking for another midfielder. Fernandinho, um, the replacement for him as his career kind of winds down is needed. And then maybe Gundogan as well, with only two years left on his deal um, and his future, you know, still up in the air a little bit. Do you reckon Phillips could be a, a potential City target somewhere down the line? <sighs> it's difficult, isn't it? Um, I mean, Phillips has probably added, what, 20 million to his value overnight. You were already talking. I mean, City are looking... Guardiola loves to play with players from the countries that he's in and City have a, a strong English spine. They could get an even stronger English spine this summer with Kane and Grealish. Phillips, yeah, um, the, the positive is that, you know, no one saw it coming apart from Leeds fans who were saying this is what this guy's been doing every week, which would suggest he's, he's pretty good rather than it's uh, it's just a one-off. I, again, I, I don't want to be the, the grim reaper of, of England, but um, I sort of think we do need to see a bit more of them to see, you know, how much more there is to come from them and how sort of good a yardstick Croatia are um, of of sort of how good how good England are. Yeah, I, th- I think Phillips will be a very he's a very exciting option, but from a city perspective, he's he would also be far more expensive an option than than other players if you just contrast with I don't know, like for instance Douglas Louise, who they did have a a buyback clause for. So I mean, I'd be surprised if if Phillips was was sort of uh, on their main list for for this summer, like you say, maybe next summer when they will have more money because they won't have it based in other positions. But, um, you know, if if he adds 20 million to his valuation every time he plays, then he's going to be pretty expensive by next summer. What do you think, Joe? Pretty similar. I think he did very, very well on Sunday. I, he proved me wrong because I, I was saying before the game that I, he's, he's obviously a good player, but I've not seen him play that much. I'm, I'm not sure. Is he, is he an England player? But he definitely was that quality against Croatia. You can't base a transfer strategy on one performance, can you? And City will know a lot about Phillips from this season in the in the Premier League. But I think this is this will have been the biggest game of his career, starting for England at a major tournament. So to see how he did in that game is, is encouraging. Like Simon says, his value will have rocketed on the back of that. But I think if City were to sort of look at him and decide to make a move or, or any big club for that matter, they would probably want to see Phillips doing it over the course of the tournament and sort of being one of those those breakout stars. Like it, it was pointed out to me that he could have a tournament like uh, Owen Hargreaves did in 2006, where he was sort of okay and then absolutely smashed it and became sort of the talk of the talk of England. So I think he'd have to have a tournament of that level to then be considered for any any sort of uh, big transfer. But it was a, it was a great performance, like brilliant individual game from him and uh, I, I think just it's just for him because he, he seems like such a nice guy as well and when you saw the Leeds documentary and he's a like you know local lad family lad and uh, yeah you can tell they're the sort of players you want like representing your country aren't they so um, yeah good to see him hope he gets a, another chance I think he's he's earned that that and then let's see what happens afterwards but um, yeah let, I'm not sure he's, he's 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 one for City but in a month's time after he's helped us to, to European glory then then maybe I'll change my mind 
Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll leave England for now. Obviously, we play Scotland on Friday and then uh, Czech Republic the following Tuesday. We'll we'll hopefully mm-hmm. talk about the football coming home a bit more next week. Our, all our optimistic dreams will be left in tatters. But as you said earlier, Joe, game of the tournament so far came after England's match. It was um, Ukraine versus Netherlands. And luckily for us, we had um, City representatives on each side. We had Nathan Ake. Um, for the Netherlands and then Alex Zinchenko um, playing for Ukraine who in this crazy game a 3-2 win for the, the Dutch eventually after two calamitous mistakes from the goalkeeper the Netherlands went 2-0 up um, a great goal from Yarmolenko and another um, equaliser got Ukraine back level and then they threw it away with some um, abject keeping as uh, Denzel Dumfries headed in the winner but Zinchenko he impressed in that mid you know the 17 of De Bruyne and looking very much like him in the middle of the pack is you know we talk about a midfield there Phillips could it be Zinchenko? Could he finally maybe move? You know, he's been so good at left back. Is it maybe time for him to get a real opportunity in midfield? I know he had a couple of games there towards the end of the season, but he's not really had a prolonged spell there in the team, has he? I'd say no. Just because I think he's too important to City's plans at left back. I think, you know, the idea of selling Benjamin Mendy this summer is probably more fancy than reality. Uh, but Zinchenko has kind of stood out as as the number one left back, and so he'll be needed there more than more than anywhere else. And if Fernandinho signs a new contract, as is kind of hoped and expected, then you've got Fernandinho, you've got Rodri, you've maybe got one of the younger players that can step in. Whereas you don't really have that at left back. Um, you've just got Zinchenko and Nathan Aki and João Cancelo and possibly Laporte if he stays. But yeah, I'd say no Sinchenko in midfield just because he's needed at left back, basically. How about you, Joe? You watched the game. What do you think of it? And again, like, how did what do you think of Sinchenko? How did he play in that game? And as well, how did how did Ake do? Uh, yeah, Sinchenko's a, a tricky one, isn't it? Because he always plays in in midfield for Ukraine and does very well there. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him in that in that position and just having a bit of a watch of him in in the position that he feels is his his best one, but. He's not going to get ahead of any of City's midfielders in that role. So I think the best that he could offer City is just a bit of flexibility. So in the middle of a game, he can probably do a bit more of the inverted fullback, for example, if that's the the tactic of choice next season. Or if, for example, like City had a a red card at at Brighton early in the game, if Guardiola needs to shape things up during the game and doesn't have the substitutions for it, he knows he probably can trust Zinchenko in that midfield role if needed but yeah like Simon says it's his place in that City squad is, is at left back and it seems like he's he's become a little bit more accepting of that in the last season or so especially because he's done so well and that's where he's, he gets his games but no he did he did very well for for Ukraine he seemed to be a driving force and I was more impressed with his sort of defence attacking work as well he stopped a lot of attacks and, and sort of the, the transitions that Guardiola loves he, he did a lot of that of turning defence which was uh, quite a, an underrated quality and and then Ake came off the bench and uh, within 10 minutes a 2-0 lead had gone, from, gone to 2-2 and he'd, he'd slotted in defence but fair play to him he, t- he put in a wonderful cross for, for Dumfries from that sort of like left-sided De Bruyne area so um, I think it's going to be a big tournament for Ake especially if he gets his chance I know he started on the bench but if he can get into that starting lineup. He can really show City that he can offer something something different. And if they're playing with a back five, he can play either the left of a of a centre centre defensive three or as the wing back. And it'll be uh, just just a chance for him to get a bit of confidence back after what's been a bit bit of a start first season at City. So um, good signs. Maybe I can't looking back on the goals. I'm not sure he had anything that he could have done with them, but 
yeah, let, let's let's hope for a bit of a confidence boost in performances for Ake because uh, there's a player there, isn't there? And a player that can really play a part for City, even if it's just as a fringe player. But uh, he needs games behind him to get that confidence back after that he, he had at Bournemouth and just sort of a reminder that he can play at the highest level because he's not necess- he's only ever been given the chance at City due to injuries mainly in the sort of cup games. So it, it'll be good to see him uh, perform on the highest stage, I think. Yeah, definitely. There'll be more City players um, playing in the coming days. On Monday, Spain are in action against Sweden, so we'll see hopefully Rodri and more than likely Emeric Laporte and Ferran Torres playing. And then on Tuesday, Portugal are in action, so we'll see Bernardo Silva and Ruben Diaz. Unfortunately, um, Jao Cancelo's had to pull out due to a positive COVID test having been replaced by Man United's Diogo Dallo. But we'll see how the ton unfolds in the coming days. I'm looking for, we're all looking forward to it um, immensely, but I think it'd be amiss of us not to mention, um, as we bring this podcast to a close, kind of the, the harrowing scenes that we all witnessed um, in Copenhagen on Saturday. Um, me and you were on shift, Joe, as um, you know, when we were watching the game, as um, Christian Eriksen collapsed on the pitch. Thankfully, and thanks to the um, quick kind of reactions of the medical staff at the Parkham Stadium and the, his reactions to his teammates and the Finnish players and referee Anthony Taylor, you know, Ericsson has survived. He's in good health. He's stable. Um, he's in a in hospital and um, just talked to his teammates. Um, the Danish doctor has, has come out and said that he he was gone. But after one kind of shock of the defib, he was back, which was also you know great kind of news to hear, as, as especially how quickly the news came in that he was in a stable condition because it was um it was really difficult to watch Joe and say. I mean, for me, like. If, if listeners haven't been able to clock on by now, I'm a Bolton fan and I remember exactly where I was when I, it happened to Fabrice Mwamba um, against Tottenham in the FA Cup in 2012, I think it was. And that was just like, that had a real big impact on me. It was kind of harrowing to watch. And I just went sh- straight back to my uh, neighbour's living room watching that game when I saw it happen to Oaks. And it was uh, very difficult to watch, Joe. But thankfully, at least now he's uh, he seems to be in a good condition. Yeah, it was just, there's sort of a, at the bottom of your stomach was just, I, I didn't know, didn't know how to react when when I was sort of seeing it, and thankfully the news came through relatively quickly that that he was alive and well. So that's the main thing, and I'm not sure we'd have been able to really follow the rest of the tournament if anything, God forbid, had happened worse than it did. And even watching the rest of the game was sort of football doesn't matter, does it? And I'm not sure the decision to play the rest of the game was right, but it happened. And uh, yeah, the, the only thing that is important is that. Ericsson is is well and is uh, is is still with us and it's it's probably going to be a shame because it's he's probably going to not play again like surely I mean that happened to Malamba didn't it and he's a, such a good player and seems to be well liked so but the, again the main thing is that he, he's still with us and and uh, just hopefully that him and all the players get the the support that they need after what was must have been an absolutely awful hour or so in uh, in Copenhagen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I struggled to even write a story in, it in the aftermath, so let alone what it must have been like for those players who had to, you know, witness it, form the shield around him while he was given medical attention. You know, Simon Kajer and Casper Schmeichel consoling his wife. It was, yeah, it was all horrible. I don't know if you watched it, Si, but um, yeah, if you want to add any thoughts at all. Yeah, it it was just horrible, horrible to watch. Um, and yeah, just your heart stops and then your heart goes out to all of everyone affected by it but especially uh christian erickson and his and his family and his, his teammates and just everyone really um i thought it was absolute madness that they played on um or you know played a few hours later you sort of 
just, you know, extremely thankful that he was okay. But, you know, the difference between him being okay and not okay was probably the difference between them kicking off again in an hour and the whole tournament being called off. So, yeah, I, I thought it was just it, really strange to watch them them play on and kind of strange to watch like Finland celebrating the the win at, like that that night. It, it was it was a horrible position for the players and everyone to be to be put in. And yeah, thank thank God he's okay. And you know, let's hope that he gets the kind of everything he needs um, to to recover and and go on from from what he can. I think it's just one of those situations where you just don't want people talking about things they don't know about, really. And yeah, just give him the the privacy and and everything he needs. Yeah, definitely. All of us at the Manchester Evening News hope he has a full recovery and wish him well with whatever's next. Um, well, you know, as Joe said, their football isn't important, but of all the things that are important, it's probably one of the best. So we'll continue to endeavour and next week we'll be back talking. Well, I won't be because I'm on holiday and I'm going to enjoy the Euros in complete bliss. But I'm sure some hearty representatives will be on bringing you the latest on City and all things Euro 2020. So thank you very much for listening, everyone. Um, go over to the Manchester Evening News forward slash Man City for all the latest uh, City news, um, transfer uh, injuries, Euros and whatnot. And uh, yeah, we'll come back to you next week with another episode. So thanks a lot for listening and we'll see you later. Ta-ra.